The peace of Christ be with you. Give yourself about three deep breaths to be drawn into the presence of the Spirit and held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. in body or spirit for the call to worship. We gather in the name of the one who makes all things new. Let us gather then to be blessed with vision and strength. Let us gather to give thanks and continue to
here to worship today at Westminster. It is good to be here with you. If you're visiting, a special welcome to you. Um, if you're visiting or if you're not visiting, I do invite you after worship to join us at our alternative Christmas fair. You'll hear a little bit more about that in a little while. And now let's join together in our community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious God. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, God hears our prayers and God sets before us the way of Jesus Christ. And as we follow that way, know that God offers us mercy and grace and forgiveness. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now this is the Sunday of the month where we celebrate November birthdays. So if you have a November birthday, or maybe if you missed a birthday blessing in a previous month, I invite you to come forward. great November birthdays. So, so I don't know about you, but whenever my birthday comes around, I always look at it as kind of a new beginning, you know, a start to a new year in my own life. And sometimes, occasionally, I approach that new beginning with exactly what I want to do. I sort of know what's going to happen in the coming year, and I feel very confident about it. Most of the time, when my birthday rolls around, I'm a little more vague about what might be coming my way in the next year. Um, so for those of you who may be feeling that way, I wanted to share with you a brief blessing. It's from a book I use all the time by John O'Donohue. It's called To Bless the Space Between Us. And I'm reading from a blessing that he calls For a New Beginning. So O'Donohue writes, Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning." That is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you'll be home in a new rhythm. For your soul senses the world that awaits you. 
May that be so in the coming year for each of you. Happy birthday. Please join me in the traditional Russian birthday blessing response. God grant them many years. 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 Amen. Happy birthday. You may be seated. And I invite all the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see all of you today. So right as we began worship, I mentioned that we have a, an alternative Christmas fair happening today in our, in our Finley Hall. Now, I'm guessing maybe some of you have, have gone to this Christmas fair in past years, maybe done a little shopping. But just in case this is the first time for you experiencing the Christmas fair, I want to kind of explain what's happening. So that's my son there. His name's Ben. And he puts together a Christmas list every year of things that he might be wanting. And then we send that Christmas list off to all his relatives, like his grandparents and stuff. Your parents may do something similar. And then we realize, oh my gosh, we've told everyone else to get him stuff, and now we don't know what to get him. But I have an idea. Sorry, Ben, I'm going to ruin the surprise. I am going to get him pizza for Christmas. Yes, I am. But wait, you're not actually going to eat the pizza. I'm sorry. What I'm going to do is I'm going to donate to buy some pizza, but I'm going to then ask our middle school youth group to throw a pizza party when they go to Santa Cruz for their mission trip for all kinds of kids at the Boys and Girls Club who don't really get a lot of pizza parties. And then I'm going to give Ben a card at Christmas that says, because I love you so much, in your honor, I have helped to throw a pizza party for boys and girls that are really going to love this pizza party. You kind of get how that works? I know. Some of you are looking at me like, that sounds crazy. It is a little crazy, but it's also really neat because we are able to honor the people we love in our lives with gifts and have those gifts share God's love with a bunch of other people. So I'm going to give you one other example. So I called my sister up the other day, and I'm like, you starting to think about Christmas? And she's like, yeah, but, you know, we've got this little bitty house, and we've got lots of stuff. She said, please don't send me any more stuff because I don't have anywhere to put it. So I was like, uh-huh. Well, instead, I'm going to buy her a backpack. But you know how this goes now, right? She's not going to actually get the backpack. I'm going to donate the backpack to the Marin Foster Care Association. And that way, someone who maybe doesn't have enough money for a backpack or maybe is having to use a really old backpack and may want, be wanting a new one, they can get that backpack instead. And I can send a card to my sister that I have thought of her and I love her so much. And in her honor, someone who really needs a backpack is getting one. All right? So it's kind of confusing. You're buying gifts for people and they're never going to see them. But 
We're going to help share God's love with a whole bunch of people this Christmas season. So after worship, I invite you to find the adults that you're with today and maybe peruse that Christmas fair before you head out to the playground for some other fun that we have today. It's a big day today. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we're going to head out. You are going to head out to Sunday school. Grayson and Cole are back there. If you're in second grade or younger, they'll show you where you need to be. And then I see Peter back there. If you're in third through fifth grade, he'll show you where to go. All right? Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere. That one's the best one. Everywhere you may go. And now I'm happy to introduce Michael and Vince, who are members of our nominating committee, with an update on nominating for you all. Good morning. Can you all hear me okay? Great. I don't have a guitar. I'm not going to sing today, so I don't know if that's good or bad. But uh, if, uh, if any of you have ever served on a commission, been a deacon or an elder, participated in a youth group or anything like, would you please stand for just a second? Ha! I told you. Oh, Okay. You know what? We don't even have to talk. Okay. <laughs> Please be seated. Uh, so, look around. This is us. This is this is all. This is who we are, and we're we're so blessed in this spiritual community to have such a rich um, spectrum of, of talent. People in healthcare, people in the legal profession, um, taking care of our, our bodies, moms and dads at home, and I could go on, but I think. Rob's limiting us to two minutes, and we're getting close. Um, who's counting? This morning, you know, we're not here to ask for your money. Uh, gosh knows, we've, we've been there. Vince has been there. We've, uh, you've been so generous with um, our annual campaign, our capital campaign, but we're, at, we're here to ask you for something far more precious, and that's your time. And... Um, I know we all have incredibly busy, hectic lives, and we're just barely keeping our heads above water. But I can promise you, if you will consider um, working in one of these positions, either as a deacon or an elder or in a commission, the investment will be far, way worth it. Uh, I know that's been my experience. That's been Vince's experience. You'll get to know this community much, uh, much more deeply. And I'm going to ask Vince to say just a few things about the commissions. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things that allows us to sort of blend our lives, um, our, our busy lives as, as parents and in our careers uh, with the community is in service. And uh, as as has been uh, demonstrated today, almost all of you have, have served in the past or are currently serving. And I can just say that um, for me, for the past six years of my life, uh, being able to blend my expertise uh, in with our community uh, uh, on session has been uh, tremendously satisfying. And I'm just, I'm just asking you guys today uh, to help us through this really challenging time. We're finally breaking ground on our building uh, and we really need to have uh, your service over the next three years or so. <laughs> and I know that sounds, that sounds like a lot of commitment, but please come have a coffee with us, and we'll sort of uh, lessen that blow. Again, uh, we really are looking forward to, to like joining you in, uh, in, in service. And uh, Michael, go ahead and finish it up before... Well, thank, thanks so much. Uh, so the, the good news is uh, 
only about half of the slots have been filled. Uh, so we're looking for about four more deacons, and I think, uh, help me with the math here, I think three more elders, thank you. Yeah. Um, and if, if you're not able to serve this year, I get it. If you think you might have an interest later, come and talk to us, uh, or Rob or Bethany. And, um, or if you just want to serve on a commission, or if you want to find some way to deepen your participation in this great spiritual community we call Westminster, just let us know. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Vince and Michael, not only for uh, your own service to this church, but for helping join in the effort to invite others to participate at that level as well. One of the ways that we strengthen our ties as a spiritual community is we share what's going on in our lives, our joys, our concerns, things that are challenging, things that we want prayer for. So if, in a moment, I'll ask if you have something to share to just raise your hand, and when I call on you to speak up so that folks can hear. One that I want to name, someone mentioned to me just this morning, um, a number of us have been following and even been in touch with Val Henderson, longtime member here who moved to Southern California a couple years ago. She had been in hospice and in declining health. And I understand, at least according to social media, that she died last night or yesterday. So we hold their family in prayer. Others? Yeah, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. So Bruce is, uh, celebrates that they figured out what was going on with some of his uh, health symptoms, but the sad thing is what's going on is ca he can't have caffeine anymore. So if you'd like to scoot just away from him for a little bit, I, I think he'll be back to himself in about a week. Yeah, Vince. Uh, Vince celebrates his daughter sending in her college application to Brown. And I know that's a stressful year for those who have kids uh, at this age. And so hang in there. We're in it together. Others? Uh, Barb? Yeah, thank you. Barbara lifts up those who give their life in the service of our country and government through the work of uh, civil servants and the foreign service. Thank you. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Michael rejoices that his uh, his family is now uh, almost all located right here, close by, and that's certainly a joy. Others, uh, yeah, Debbie, and then. Oh goodness. Oh goodness. How old is he? Oh, goodness. Debbie mentions a, a family friend who was a sixth grader who was hit by a car while riding his bike. His name is Mason, if you want to pray for him. Uh, David? Oh, prayers for um, David's mother, who is now in hospice. Thank you. Let's pray. Gracious one, you've heard just a taste of what we're carrying this morning. 
We pray our awareness of your presence with us in the joys and in the sorrows, in the realizations and in the questions. Thank you for walking with us. Help us to receive your presence and the gracious presence of those around us. And help us to be that for someone else. Lord, we pray these things. We pray all things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
scripture reading is Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord, and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is holy wisdom, holy word. The second reading comes from the book of 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter, verses 6 to 13. Continue to listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Friends, this too is holy wisdom holy word. Thanks be to God. 
on the radio program Live From Here, which is the show that replaced A Prairie Home Companion, they recently replayed a Father's Day episode. On it, a woman was recounting the relationship we had, she had with her father growing up and all the little things they shared, all the lessons he would sprinkle throughout the day and the practices he had and the little rituals that they shared. She said, you know, we never had very much, but he would say, it's always good to be generous. It's always good to be generous, no matter what you have. And if they were stuck in line waiting for something, it could be a traffic jam, it could be in a store, he would always take that opportunity to turn and say, time's never wasted when you're with your loved ones. Rather than seize that moment as one to live into his frustration, he turned that waiting into a faithful practice of affirming his love for those around him. Well, today's Newer Testament reading that you just heard is a response to something quite different, an unfaithful waiting, you could say. It's filled with uh, commandments and a little fair bit of judgment, if you ask me. You heard as the author condemns idleness, taking handouts. It even conditions eating on one's working. And no doubt those values have permeated our culture. We have a disdain for those who we deem as unworthy of having what they have. Pull your own weight, we say. Do your share. And to be sure, there is good in the value of personal responsibility and doing your part and contributing to the community. That's hard to argue with. The problem is that's not, in a general sense, what the biblical author is trying to address. This is not meant to be a diatribe against free riding or free loading. His context is very specific, and so I think, sadly, we largely understand, misunderstand that passage and therefore misapply it. At the time that 2 Thessalonians was written, there was a prominent belief among early Christians that Jesus Christ was coming back in the flesh, and his return was imminent. That's the kind of language you actually find in 1 Thessalonians. And as a result at least some number of followers decided to do nothing. They no longer needed to work. They no longer needed to be responsible. They didn't have to take care of any business because God was coming back to fix it all. This is why that reading was paired with the Older Testament reading you heard from Isaiah, that prophecy of a new heaven and a new earth coming, the kingdom coming into its fullness. That was some version of what they were expecting. And so some of them decided to just kick back and do nothing. And what 2 Thessalonians is trying to do is first expand the time frame of Christ's return. It may not be as soon as you think. A day is like a thousand years, so the saying goes. And to shape the way people lived in the meantime. The storms will pass, they were saying, to an extent. But until they do, you still have a responsibility to do your part, living faithfully in the world. That's a key distinction. Do not weary in doing what is right. The last line of the passage, if you ask me, is the bottom line. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. 
Now, notice it doesn't say don't get tired of, uh, of doing. And sometimes I feel like our culture interprets it that way. We are a people who do things in incessantly, doing, doing, doing all the time, working all the time. I wonder, actually, if we would be more Christ-like, if we would be kinder, if we would be better neighbors, if we would be more connected with each other, if we did a little less, if we didn't wear workaholism as a badge of honor before one another. Maybe we would live a little bit differently. The focus of the passage isn't do more, do more, do more. It's, remember, the time is always right, as Martin Luther King said, to do what is right. Every moment presents an opportunity for us to do something good, useful, that has integrity, that can serve the greater whole. That's what we're being called to by this text and by this teaching. Now, I know that can feel futile, pointless, because sometimes in some settings the world feels like it's coming apart and everything's going wrong or everyone's against you and who are you so small to address that which is so great and so big. But interestingly, if you listen to the language of Second Thessalonians, it's not that concerned with future outcomes. That's a cultural shift for us too. It just doesn't really concern itself with outcomes. Don't get caught up in how it's going to be then, there. Rather, focus on who you can be here and now. Now, that takes extraordinary discipline to maintain. We get pulled back into cycles of regret about the past or all kinds of machinations of how it might work out in the future, but if you can stay in the present, and I, this is nothing you haven't heard from other teachers before, then the world kind of opens up. And actually, anxiety calms and comes right down because anxiety is often related to a fixation with the past or a fixation with the future. But rather, if you can stay right where you are, everything's a little more manageable. And if, through spiritual practice and other things, you can pull yourself back to the present, you'll also find that opportunities, great and small, to do good, to do well, to do the right thing, start popping up all over the place, like little flowers that you've never seen before, right beneath your feet. What can we do here and now while we wait for the kingdom? whatever it will look like when it comes in its fullness? That's the question. I had the opportunity to see the great theologian Matthew Fox this year. And he spoke about the massive challenges facing the world today, the existential crises facing our species, not to mention countless other species. But his response to that reality was this. What a privilege it is to be alive right now. That on some level, we were chosen to exist right now. And what a gift and what an opportunity that is for us to show up in a certain way. Now, I know that's talking about grand issues. But grand issues, grand things are rooted in tiny things. 
tiny things can make a big difference. Today, for example, we start the first of two Sundays of our alternative Christmas fair. Our tiny little attempt to do a couple of important things that I might say are big things. The first is, it reorients us to how this season should be honored and celebrated. The season that leads up to the birth of Christ, the indwelling of God in this very world. We all know what Christmas has become in our culture. It is a ritualized celebration, not of Jesus, but of commercialism. I mean, that's nothing new. You know that. And we ritualize it a thousand ways once we step outside these doors. Today and next week is an attempt to ritualize something else, the charitable heart, the giving soul, lifting up other people out of the abundance that we've been given. And that kind of reframing may seem small, but it can do great things. And speaking of that, the doing that will be done today and next week can have a great and tangible impact. If you don't know how our alternative Christmas fair works, it's quite simple. It's a marketplace of sorts where all the commissions in the church select a cause that they think is worthy, something that's happening in the community that's meaningful and that aligns with our values. And they give you an opportunity to make a contribution to them in honor of someone that you love. And that money goes to support those worthy causes. And listen for a few moments at what your leaders have chosen and what you can give to. The Congregational Life Commission is supporting the Marin Foster Care Association. Last week, I had the chance to go to the Marin Speaker Series. I don't know if anybody else was there. But one of the two speakers was Michael Steele, the former head of the Republican National Committee. And I was taken aback and surprised when he talked about his beginnings as an orphan. I didn't know he was an orphan. And he spoke really movingly. He described the scene of his mother walking into a Catholic orphanage and entering a hall where there were just rows and rows of cribs. And as she walked down the aisle, his little arms were reaching up through the rails. And she looked at him and said, that's the one. Countless other children right now are reaching up through the rails. And organizations such as Marin Foster Care are there to ensure that there are loving adults to reach back and to receive those children. Outreach, another commission, is sponsoring Bridge the Gap. Bridge the Gap, which I know a number of you tutor for, provides tutoring and college preparations to low-income families and those who have a huge uphill climb just to get to the place where many of us started from. Bridge the Gap delivers academic support, but not only that, nutritious meals, and maybe as important as anything, it connects people, people to people, caring adults to young people who need them and deserve to have dreams too. Our own youth programs, middle school and high school, can be supported through the alternative Christmas fair because young people of every background and of every socioeconomic status deserve the kind of loving and faithful community that they can get through a church such as Westminster. And our youth ministry is generous. It gives a lot of its money away to those who have less. But their generosity is predicated and enabled by our ability 
to be generous. Congregational Life, again, is also supporting uh, and sponsoring the Center for Domestic Peace, an organization that I love how it names itself. It names itself uh, uh, for the reality and the promise it's trying to achieve rather than the reality that so many people suffer under domestic violence. Somebody told me recently that they heard a, a 911 dispatcher speak, and they said that the number one call in Marin County to 911 is what? Domestic violence. When you support them, you can help make a hotline available, a safe house, a transitional housing situation, counseling and legal help to those who have been victims, as well as services to those who have been abusers so that they can be healed too. The women of Westminster have faithfully continued their sponsorship of the Canal Alliance, and I know a number of you are involved in the Canal Alliance. Canal Alliance offers all kinds of programs, from education to legal services to much, much more. And the deacons, who are our local leaders in caregiving right in this church, they're sponsoring the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, or PDA, the only kind of PDA allowed in the church. I often say that PDA is on the ground wherever disaster strikes, but maybe more importantly, they're on the ground when the news cameras leave and when the other agencies have to pick up and move. They stay. So PDA right now has active responses still going on in the aftermath of hurricanes Harvey, Irma, Maria, Matthew, and Florence on the coast. The flooding and the tornadoes that have happened all over the middle part of the country and the fires and mudslides right here in California. They're there because of you. And finally, Spiritual Life is helping to fund research to treat the disease ALS. Now, I know it's easy for us to think with all the dollars it takes to do medical research, what could my few dollars given on a Sunday do? Well, what if your few dollars or more were precisely that, the few dollars that pushed some researcher or some doctor over the edge into making a discovery that leads to the cure? What if your single gift was the single gift needed to prolong someone's life or save it so that they might have one more Christmas with their family, or 20 more Christmases with their family. Because remember, time with loved ones is never wasted. That uh, woman I just referenced and spoke about at the outset of the sermon, she shared one other ritual she had with her father, they grew up in the Midwest, and if you're from the Midwest, you know this wonderful phenomenon, uh, phenomenon of summer thunderstorms. They're a glorious thing. And so whenever there was a thunderstorm, the pact between daughter and father was they would meet on the porch, and they would watch the storm together. And he'd go out to the garage freezer and grab a couple of popsicles, and they'd sit there and they'd watch as the clouds rolled in. They always said a couple of things. They always did a couple of things. They would count the seconds between the lightning and the thunderclap to figure out the time and how far away the strikes were. And at one point, he, after a strike, he would always go, ah, oh, you can smell the ozone in the air. And at one point, he would always turn to her and ask, 
what do you think the grass is saying right now? And in unison, they would both always respond, ah. (laughs) Well, one day when the little girl was a little older, a storm came in. And she was suffering from a broken heart. She'd had a bad breakup with a beloved boyfriend. And so she could barely drag herself out of bed, but went, go to the porch, she did. And he grabbed the popsicles and they started their ritual. And when it came time for him to turn to her and ask, what do you think the grass is saying? He noticed tears running down her face. And so he spared her the question and just reached out and took her hand and put it in his and held it. I just sobbed, she said, sobbed and sobbed. And finally, after a quiet moment, he looked up at the sky and said, the thing about storms is they pass. The storms will pass. The kingdom's coming. The question is, how will we wait in the meantime? How will we live? Amen. Quaked before, moved by the sound of God's voice, seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and stilled with just a word.
for me not to trust Even when my eyes can't see And this mountain that's in front of me Could be thrown into the midst of the sea Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we ask that you accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May these gifts bring shelter to the homeless, food to the hungry, comfort to the sick, and hope to the hopeless. We pray that you would multiply these, our offerings to you, and accomplish with them more than we could ask or imagine. All we have is yours, and we ask that you would use us and all we have, as you will. Amen. Amen. So just to let you know about a couple of things happening today, you've heard about the Christmas Fair. We hope you'll take, take, check that out. As well, we have a family event happening, sponsored by our Christian Education Commission, mostly for younger children, but we're not going to check age at the door. Out on our playground, we've got a bouncy house out there. I heard a rumor there's a snow cone truck happening out there. Um, and really, it's just a chance, especially for our families, to be able to hang out and get to know each other a little better, just have some fellowship as the Christmas fair is going on. In addition, as you leave, you'll see in the narthex a sign-up for our Thanksgiving Voyager Carmel meal. Um, during uh, the holiday season, on Thanksgiving Day, we um, provide a meal for Voyager Carmel, which is in San Rafael. So Randy Heiser will be there at the sign-up sheet. If you can help provide some food um, for that meal, he would no doubt uh, take you up on your help. Um, and finally, just to thank you, you all have been so patient um, during our move as our phones have been down. Um, they're still down. Uh, we're trying really hard to get them up this week, um, but just another reminder, we are certainly available um, by email, but if you call that main church number, you're still not getting anything, but we are working on it. It's going to happen. All right. Um, so as we go to our closing hymn, this, to me, this is a song that is just crying out to be sung with loud gusto. 
Um, so I'm going to encourage you to sing this song with joy. It's number 295. We're going to sing verses 2, 3, and 4. So go to the world, but not before you sign up to be an elder or a deacon, and not before you stop by Finley Hall. But when you go to wherever you are going, go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.